Welcome to season three of Kept Secrets. You're listening to episode number 21. I am your host, Nikki Rothrock. This podcast is a way that I try to help others who have also experienced childhood sexual abuse, neglect, or trauma. I will discuss my personal experiences and the treatments that helped heal the brokenness. My abuse started as early as five to six years old and by more than 20 different perpetrators. There is a very long history, but I've created this podcast in in hopes of helping just one person. Hello, everyone. Thank you for coming back for season three. Um, I have put my Archie dog and Belle outside, so we'll see how long that lasts. Archie's already out the door. We have a big groundhog in our backyard, (laughs) and... uh, I mean, that sucker's big, big, bigger than Archie, and he's about 15 pounds, so that's exciting. Um, So for season three, I kind of wanted to talk about after the abuse. Um, This episode, as I talked about in the last episode of season two, I'm going to talk about an experience that I had in 2009 where I approached my main abuser, Tom, in a public place. Um, I mean, I kind of set it up for you. It was in January. It was cold. There was a bowling tournament, and my brother was going to bowl in it. And I knew that Tom was going to be there. I don't know how I knew. I just knew he was. So I agreed to go with my brother and my mom to this bowling alley about 30 minutes away. And... I wasn't there very long, and uh, he walked right by me. Tom did. Now, the way that I felt inside was like this jerk of, or this jolt of, oh, crap, there he is. We hadn't been in the same vicinity in quite a while, and I didn't know if he had seen me at that point. So I waited, and I watched him. I wasn't sure if I was going to approach him or not, but I kind of had it in the back of my mind. I was like, I'm going to end this, going to be done with it. We're, we're just going to get through it. So, um, what happened was Tom was a couple lanes down from where my brother was bowling and I had a straight view of him. I watched him bowl. I watched him as he talked to his friends and I mean, you probably he probably felt me staring at him. It wasn't in any way, shape, or form to intimidate. Obviously, I wouldn't intimidate him. But um, I was just curious. And my inner child was like, oh my gosh, he's here. We're in the presence of the person that we've been trying to get back in our lives for so many years. So I sat and I watched... And my mom was there, and uh, she was talking to my brother and watching him bowl and all this fun stuff, which I really don't enjoy watching bowling, especially tournaments. I feel like they're kind of uh, boring. But anyway, so as the night went on, my brother finished his, his set, which I think was three or four games, and he wanted to compete again in the following set. Well, it was either go home 
or pay for my brother to be able to bowl in this next set because he didn't have the money. And he was in a pretty good groove. So I was like, okay, I'll pay for it. Um, so we got the second set going and he was bowling and Tom had finished and I kind of lost track of where he was, Tom. So I was kind of looking around the place and I saw that he was in the pro shop, which if you're not familiar with bowling alleys or whatever, pro shops are where you can go buy bowling balls, get your bowling balls drilled. You can buy any kind of accessory, shoes, things like that. And almost every bowling alley has them. So I went, kind of peeked in there, and I saw that he was in there. And I was like, okay, now's my chance. I'm going to get him. I'm going to – I thought he was by himself. <laughs> so I waited and waited and – couple times I was like, okay, this is a bad idea. This is a bad idea. Abort this mission. This is a bad idea. But I kept telling myself, I'm never going to get past this until I do this. I am not in any way, shape or form advocating for anyone to do this. I'm just, this was my journey and this is what I did. So I, um, I waited for him to come out. And as soon as he did, he saw me and I go, Hey, and he just kind of stopped surprised. And I said, can I talk to you for a minute? And the look on his face was like, uh, I don't know. So then he goes, well, that depends. Am I going to get in trouble? And what he was referring to was that he was on probation until like the May before. So it had only been like, I don't know, seven, eight months since he had been finished with all of his, um, legal trouble or whatever. So I said, no, you're not going to get in trouble. He had a no protect or a protective order or no contact order. Um, he wasn't supposed to be anywhere where I was. So now that all that was done, he, um, was like, if it depends, am I going to get in trouble? And I was like, no, I'm the one approaching you. And besides you're done with all of the probation and stuff. So we stood there for a second, realized, excuse me, cause we were right by the front door of the bowling alley realized that it was a very busy, high traffic area. So I said, hey, do you want to go outside so we can be more private and talk? And he's like, sure. So we go outside and we walk away from the door. Um, there was like a little smoking area and he pulled out his pack of cigarettes as usual. And I pulled out my pack of cigarettes and he's like, oh, you smoke? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, it's a bad habit. And a little side note, he's the one that gave me my first cigarette when I was like nine or 10 years old. So it was, I, he probably doesn't even remember that, but so we stand there and I said, I just wanted to kind of talk to you because, um, I just felt like I had things I needed to say. And he's like, okay, like what? And I was like, dude, I was like, what you did to me was so messed up. And I said, it messed up my head. It really did. I said, I can't, I can't have a normal life because of what you did. And he just kind of put his head down and he's like, I know, I'm sorry. And I was like, well, I'm not looking for an apology. I was like, I just wanted to tell you that what you did was so bad. And um, he said... This is where I wish I had my journals because I was able to write it down word for word what was said in a much more organized form and I cannot find them. So um, he made a comment about he 
you know, when he was in prison, he was beaten up and had to go to the hospital. And I looked at him and I was like, you act like that's supposed to make me happy. I said, it doesn't. It makes me really sad. And he just kind of looked at me and we went on with our conversation. I said, I didn't want any of this to happen. I said, but, you know, there just came a time when I just couldn't keep the secret anymore. And he's like, I understand. And I said, my relationship with my mom and dad is ruined because of what you did. I will never have that good relationship with them. You know, he, kind of a side note, he used to put me against my mother in a very competitive, jealousy-driven kind of way. Um, I don't know if that was just his way of keeping us from communicating and getting to, you know, for her to get to know what happened. I don't know. It, From what I understand, it's pretty typical uh, abuser behavior. So, and then with my dad, you know, my poor dad, he, he didn't know what to do with this. He still to this day has a really hard time hugging me because he's afraid that he's going to trigger me. And that is so incredibly sad because my dad didn't deserve that. You know, I didn't deserve that. My mother didn't, <laughs> she didn't deserve it either. But what, what I was t trying to explain to him was, you know, I, I had to do a lot of work to get through what you put me through. And I said, I feel like I've done really well. Um, you know, I basically let him know that I wouldn't be able to have children. Um, but I wasn't technically blaming it on him because he wasn't the only perpetrator, but he was the longest um, as far as time goes. And the one that affected me probably the most. So physically <laughs> my dogs are standing outside just screaming at me like let me in and I'm like nope you guys did this to yourselves so anyway um we're standing there having a cigarette and my knees are shaking but yet I'm comfort comforted so let me if I break that down for you the comfort was because my inner child was loving this interaction with Tom loving it she wanted more. And the adult me was like taking control of the conversation. And we talked about what I wanted to talk about. And, um, you know, he never really was inappropriate. Like when he said that he got beat up in prison and had to go to the hospital, um, later Beth and I had talked about it and, you know, she's like, clearly that was a point of manipulation. She was trying, he was trying to get you to feel bad for what you did, meaning putting him, reporting him and him going to jail. So manipulation was still there, um, or his attempt to manipulate. So the conversation just kind of went on, like, you know, he said his wife, who was the same woman who, uh, testified many years before when we went to court and she was so mean to me, but he was like, you know, she's had a couple, uh, 
situations with breast cancer and we're just not doing very well. It's been a really rough few years, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. I don't care. Like, this is about me. This is not about you and your fantastic little life. So at the time I was like, oh, that's so sad, you know, which it is. I would never like want anybody to suffer from cancer. That's a horrible disease. And even the evil impulse in me, I still wouldn't wish that upon her, even though she treated me like a piece of trash. So past that com- that part of the conversation, she um, she wasn't there. She was in the bar. She wasn't where we were because I guarantee you this conversation would not have happened. Um, so we're talking and, you know, I was just like, this is so bad and I am angry at the fact that you did this. And um, he kept saying to me that if I ever needed anything, that I could always reach out to him. He would always be there. And I hated the fact that he said that. I don't want anything from him. I don't need anything from him. The only thing I needed or wanted from him was him to pay for my therapy, and he did. So at this point, him saying that was just leaving that open door. That door cracked just a little bit, and it just messed with my brain even more. Because, And to explain that, I went through a lot of uh, work with my inner child. And if you've never done that, I, uh, you should. It makes all the difference because it gives you a different perspective on yourself and um, it gives you the opportunity to nurture that child that you once were who was abused. So um, my inner child was incredibly attached to Tom. No one else on this planet could measure up to Tom in her eyes. She felt like he protected her. He loved her. He wanted to have a future with her. He, um, she was just waiting for him to come back. And in this moment, he was standing right in front of her. And she was like, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's run away together. This is what you said we would do when I got older. I'm here. Let's go. Now, as weird as it sounds... It is so hard to say that to to you guys because that is me admitting that, yeah, I, I, even at the age of 30 years old when I went to see him, I was still very pulled to him. (laughs) These these dogs. My neighbors are probably going to come over here and think I've like, died or something (laughs) because they're still outside. So this, I'm sorry, the inner child for me, I thought I had it under control. You guys, I thought I did. So explaining that the conversation only lasted maybe 30 minutes at the most, um, had a couple cigarettes Talked. We didn't really talk about racing at that time. Um, we didn't really. We 
I don't even really remember what we talked about. All I know is I can picture him standing there, this small man who clearly was intimidated by me. It was so obvious. But he wasn't, I was like almost standing in his way of escaping. There was no escape. He he had his back to the wall and I was standing right in front of him. And it was like, it was just an interesting situation because I don't think he could have left if he wanted to without causing a scene. So when the conversation wrapped up, I think we talked a little bit about my mom and about how sick she is or was at the time. And um, we talked about how my relationships with men was garbage at the time. I was in um, an on-again, off-again relationship with a man at that time, and I think we were off at that time because I remember bringing it up to him after the fact, and he was angry with me because he made it made me feel like I was inviting Tom back into my life because I approached him. And it was almost like giving Tom the green light to come back into my life. And I was like, no, that is not at all what I did. And when we left each other that night, it was, it was done. So what happened toward the end of the conversation with Tom was he said that he was sorry in a very um, – I don't feel like it was sincere. I feel like he said it because I was standing in front of him. Um, so his response was, you know, I'm really sorry that I did that to you. And I was like, I forgive you, but I forgive you, but so Dr. Phil would always say, when you say something and then you say, but you are completely forgetting everything you just said that leads up to, but so in this situation, I said, I forgive you, but I don't even remember what I said after that. I think it was, you know, I still have a lot of work to do and and it's your fault that this that I'm going through this. And so we got ready to part ways. And I I saw him. He turned like he kind of walked in front of me and then he turned to walk back toward the front of the building or toward the door. And I said, hey. And he stopped and he turned around. And I said, would it be too much to ask for a hug before you left or before we finished our conversation? And he hung his head and he said, you don't know how hard this is for me. And I said, hard it is. What are you talking about? Why is this hard for you? He's like seeing you now and, and being here with you. He's like, it's really hard. And I was like okay, then it's okay. And he took the couple steps and he came and he hugged me. And it was like a magnetic force. It was the weirdest feeling. It was like, whoof. And he hugged me and it was like, I could feel his emotion because he was, he started to cry. Um, he had his head on my right shoulder and I could feel his breathing and I, I said to him, I'm sorry for what this has done. 
And he said, you have nothing to be sorry for. And he said, I'm always here if you need anything. And I really wish he hadn't said that part. But I was like, okay. And he turned around and went inside. Well, in that moment, my inner child was screaming for him to come back. And I turned around and I went and I sat on the bench and I smoked another cigarette and I was like, okay, this is done. And my inner child was like, no, 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 no. Go after him. Go after him. This is not the way it's supposed to end. He is supposed to be with us. Me and her, meaning me. And I was like, no. And she's like, please, please, please go back and get him. Don't let him leave. And I'm like, mm, no. And I sat there for a minute and I cried. It was, you know, just like a couple tears. It wasn't like the snot bubble crying like normal. But I, I had to protect her, my inner child, from what he was capable of. Um, whew, that was hard because... I went back into the bowling alley and I found my mom and my brother and I was like, I think my brother was close to being done bowling. And I sat down and mom's like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah. I was like, I just talked to Tom. And she's like, what? I was like, yeah, we just had a little conversation out front. And she's like, well, how did that go? I was like, it's fine. He apologized. And I didn't really tell her very much because she was always very uh, annoyed whenever I would talk about him in a way, because she always felt like she's the one that got the bad end of the stick. And because this was her husband who did this to her and that she never was able to heal. Everybody was always talking about what he did to me and never talking about what he did to her, which I get because in all honesty, she never really had any closure with him. Um, they never had a conversation after I told her what he did. They never spoke again. Um, you know, he was the last man that she was ever with. And, you know, 2009 is when I was, when I had this conversation with him and she passed away in 2012. So it wasn't long after that. Um, but I will say, after having that conversation with him, something broke free within myself. And the reason why I say that is because I started thinking about my future. You know, I had just graduated with a bachelor's degree. I had no idea really what I wanted to do. I did, but I didn't. Um, so by the end of April, I think, I had enrolled in graduate school and got accepted, and then I started classes in June. So it was um, it was a pivotal point for me talking to him, but I don't know. I, I remember talking to Beth afterwards because I was able to get like a 911 situation where she called me back, and I was like, I just had a conversation with Tom, and she's like, what a gift, and I was like, 
yeah, it's a gift. Like, I didn't understand what she meant by that. And I guess now I realize that not a lot of victims or survivors actually get to have that conversation with their their abuser. So I understand now what she meant by that. But at the time I was like, girl, you crazy. I don't know what she, how that's a gift. Like my inner child was freaking the frick out. So this was on a Saturday night and Sunday, I was okay Sunday. You know, I was just processing everything. And then Monday, I ended up having to go find, I had to go see Beth. And I had just started a new job. Um, and I tried to explain to my boss, I was like, look, I had a pretty eventful weekend and I need to go see my doctor because of what, excuse me, because of what happened. And she was like, okay. So I went and I talked to Beth and I was like, this is killing me. Like, all I want to do is just go back and find him and talk to him again. And just, I don't even know what I would want out of it, but I wanted to talk to him again. And that's when she explained that it was my inner child who was still so very attached to him. And, um, it took a lot for me to get through that because shortly, like with, within a year of seeing him, I had to, I moved back to my hometown where he lived. And, um, I moved back to be closer to my mom because she had kidney dialysis and, uh, I just wanted to be closer to her. So, um, my inner child, was very hurt and she was very angry with me because I was keeping her from him. Um, I don't expect a lot of people to really understand that feeling. I've tried to explain that to my husband and he just looks at me and his eyes get big. He's like, girl, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't think I ever will. You know, I'll listen to you all day long, talk about it, but I don't get it. And so I guess, um, I guess I need to let these dogs in because <laughs> my neighbors are probably going to freak out if I don't. So hang on one second. These two hounds are going to go crazy. Hey, Archie dog. Archie's cold. He's shivering. My door is loud. Okay, so back to, I got to give these clowns their little treats so back to the um the inner child conversation so ow I I had to do a lot of work with her because I needed her to understand that just because we saw him that one time does not give us permission to invite him back into our life and I had to explain to her that he was not good for us. He did not protect us. He actually hurt us and so on and so forth. So um, that was a really weird journey for me because I was on some different medications. I, um, I was so incredibly lonely, like my... Uh, boyfriend at the on again off again boyfriend he uh 
just was not attentive. He didn't understand. So we ended up breaking up and I just started hanging out with my friends, you know, enjoying the time with them and really trying to um, feel the love from them. Uh, so I don't know. It, the The inner child still wasn't happy. I don't think she ever will be. I was kind of thinking about her today as I was trying to decide how I wanted to approach this episode tonight and how I wanted to talk about it. And I just, I feel her kind of rattling around and she's just kind of like annoyed um, that we're talking about this. And I don't know why, maybe because it's such an open wound for her. Um, I don't know. But I thought we were okay with it. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's part of the trauma. It's part of the healing. Um, it's not ever going to go away for me. You know, the, the vivid memories are always going to be there. But they're not as often. And, you know, they're situational. They're seasonal even. Um I I just encourage you, if you're on this journey, to find a, a therapist, psychologist, a therapist, a licensed clinical social worker, whatever your insurance will pay for or, you know, whatever you can. And really dive into it because you may not know around you Maybe the broken relationships, the job situations where you're, you're like skipping jobs or you're not happy, your anxiety is up. You know, there could be all kinds of things that are really a side effect of what you've experienced. And if you would just, you know, maybe start treatment and find this journey for yourself and work through it. When you come out the other side, you know, you're able to tolerate life better. You're able to um, have better relationships. If I had been with Ryan from 1994 on, like, or when we, we broke up in 96. So if I had been with him the immediate years after that, we would not be married now. We would not be together now. He would probably hate my guts now because I was so self-destructive and I was so unhappy and I didn't know, I didn't know what to do with that pain and that, that, sorry guys, the anger, the anger was so bad and I didn't even know it was anger. That's the thing. I didn't know. Um, so it's very interesting to me, and it this is definitely a blessing to me, that Ryan and I were able to get back together many years later after I had all of this time to process the trauma, process, you know, our relationship and how it ended, and, um, you know, just have that wisdom from life and from treatment and 
you know, just to be able to come to him as a grown woman and not a, a hurt child. And I feel like he appreciates that more now. I hope he does. He seems to. Um, I feel like, you know, I learned a lot from my girlfriend, Janet, as far as how to be a wife, because my mom was not the greatest example because her uh, choice in men was pretty crummy. So I was able to work with Janet and, and observe her relationship with her husband. Seriously. Go eat your dinner. Go. My gosh. It's my own fault. <laughs> my cousin and I were just talking about this this weekend because I give him treats and then he just doesn't go away. He just keeps coming back and he gets louder and louder and louder. So, um, where was I going with that? I think that the relationship that I have now is not perfect because neither one of us are perfect people as much as he likes to think he's smarty pants. Um, Ryan does, but I would not want to be anywhere else than where I am with him because he truly was a godsend in my life when I was, 15 and he I don't want to say he helped me through he did help me through but he also <clears throat> just kind of abandoned me when I needed it but I can't really blame him for that because it was so pathetic how I was back then when we broke up but so I always looked at it as he was here when I needed him and then when he came back around, you know, when we started seeing each other again, he really needed me because he was a broken man. He And I'm not saying this in any way disrespecting him, but his heart had been shattered. He tried and tried and tried and tried to make his marriage work, and it didn't. And when – you better hush. And when we had – hours and hours of conversations about how he, you know, could try to make it better. And, you know, I encouraged him to go back to his wife as at the time they were divorcing, but I encouraged him to try to work it out for his kids, for his, you know, biblical marriage. Like I didn't, at that time we were literally just friends, but I felt like I was able to be his friend and be strength for him. When I was 15, 16, 17 years old, there was no way in hell I was going to be able to do that. So long story short on all of that, I kind of feel like this, you know, God knows, God knows what he's doing in life and in our lives. And back when I was 17, I was just completely devastated. You know, I went from Tom moving out of our home, and then I was so incredibly happy with Ryan, and then we broke up. Tom had gone to jail. I went through two huge losses back-to-back. -back. And, you know, I, 
I had all of this self-loathing and pity and it was just awful. Excuse me. And I'm just glad that God helped pick up the pieces because, you know, there's no, there's, I'm glad that trigger warning, I'm glad that any kind of attempts to take my life didn't work. Um, I'm glad that, knock it off. I'm glad that I was able to work things out with my mom before she passed away. I'm glad that I can have a relationship with my dad now where he is the parent and I am the child. As difficult as that is. Um, I am not glad that this dog is yapping at me. <laughs> but... The whole reason why I wanted to share this with you is because I, you know, I started at the beginning and I told you guys the whole story about the relationship with Tom. I say relationship, the abusive relationship with Tom, the life that I had to live for six years with him. And then the life that I lived after him and, you know, I was able to find the strength within myself to approach him and say, look. What you did to me was wrong. And I am not in any way, shape, or form ever trying to push religion on people. But th like I said, this is my journey. This is my story. So when I went to church, there was, um, I was with Janet and there was a sermon about forgiveness. And I took that incredibly serious. Shut up. I took it incredibly serious. I, I was like, okay, so what am I supposed to do? And, you know, I knew that I had to give him the opportunity. I had to go to him, Tom, and tell him that he did me wrong and give him that opportunity to ask for forgiveness. If he didn't, then I could wash my hands of it and move on. I did that. He asked, well, he, he said he was sorry. I was able to say that I forgave him. And move past it. So at that, in some way, that whole part of it, I was trying to be a little bit more obedient because I knew that I just knew that that's what I was supposed to do. And I prayed about it a lot. I talked a lot about it with my friend Janet. Um, and, you know, she was so wise in her faith and, and it was really helpful for, for my journey. So her not being in my life right now is really difficult. Shut your mouth. Her not being here has been really difficult. Um, you know, she was like that nurturing, loving, affectionate mom that I didn't have. So, I mean, I wouldn't trade my mom and the life that I had with her. Sometimes it's, 
you know, when I think about it, I'm like, I don't know how my brother and I did not get taken away from her by the authorities, but we didn't. And so that was the life that I had. And I have to think that she tried her best. I have to think that or I will drive myself crazy. So my journey kind of wrapped up a little bit, I thought, after that conversation. But I felt like, um, so my notes, my mindset before was that I was going to go and I was going to approach him and be strong and be, you know, I wasn't going to crumble. I wasn't, I was just going to go to him and say, look, this is what you did. This was wrong. You know, that was my mindset before how I felt during, I felt strong. I felt, um, heard, I guess. Uh, and then once the conversation was over, You know, I talked about, I sat down and I cried and I thought, okay, this is done. It wasn't done because after that is when all hell broke loose in my brain and my inner child freaked out. So then I had to nurture her and I had to get her through the painful part. And, you know, I do feel like this conversation tonight or this this talk with you guys, I feel like it might kind of be a trigger for me so I have to be really mindful and careful because uh my inner child is very sneaky she's very sneaky and she usually um she usually has a weird way (laughs) and I don't realize it until it's too late so what I mean by that is um a few months ago, I was thinking about weight loss surgery, and I was kind of offended. And you guys, if you've listened to this whole thing, you understand, like, I was kind of offended that the doctor was like, I'll go to your insurance company and fight them so that you will you can get bariatric surgery or whatever. He's like, because it'll prolong your life, blah, blah, blah. Yes, I get it. So I was having a conversation with Beth about that, and... She's like, well, why don't you want to have it? And I was like, because I don't need it. And then I was like, wait a minute, do you think I need it? And she's like, absolutely. And I was like, that's just you being a doctor. Like, I don't, I don't think I need it. And she just kind of sits back in her chair and she kind of giggles a little bit. And she's like, she's really good. I'm like, who the hell is she talking about? Who? And she's like, little Nikki, she's really good. And I'm like, okay, I don't understand what that means because I never put it together. Um, so when I left, she wanted me to think about it. And I was like, I don't understand. Like, I literally was like, I don't understand what you're trying to say to me. Can you just tell me the words? Like, I don't know what you want me to say. And so the whole way home, I'm like, what the hell was she trying to get me to to see? I didn't get it. So I come home and I I sit on the couch. I'm having a conversation with my husband. And I told him, I was like, I don't know what she's talking about. And he's like, really? And he looked at me and was like, seriously? And I was like, yeah, seriously, I got no clue. He's like, if you lose the weight, 
she's going to feel like you're going to forget about her. And I was like, oh, what? My inner child is afraid that if I lose the weight, the last piece of my trauma will be gone and I won't pay attention to her anymore. Now, let me kind of explain that because it was hard for me to wrap my mind around it. So during the whole trauma, getting to know my inner child and getting to love her and treat her, you know, um, just love her the way that she should have been loved from the beginning. And my weight has, I have always said, my weight is the very last thing from my childhood because my weight started growing higher and higher. Shut up. Sorry. My weight started going up and up after third grade, fourth grade, when the abuse started with Tom. All through junior high, my you know freshman year of high school. And then after that, because I was so, you got belt. You got to get away. You're breathing too heavy on me. After high school, and I just kept getting bigger and bigger, and I think it was just because I was trying to find comfort in something. And it was it was the food. It was, you know, I would isolate myself. I would eat macaroni and cheese, glorious nights of eating macaroni and cheese for dinner, you know, just things like that. And if I lost the weight, there would be no more trauma because I've worked through 98% of the, the stuff. And my inner child is like, if we get, if you lose weight, you're never going to talk to me again. You're going to forget about me. And I'm like, I'm not going to forget about you because, because you're me. (laughs) And I, I'm only bringing that up because um, it's interesting how the inner child can be tricky for me. And she can, because I was completely dead set against weight loss surgery. I felt like I could do it on my own. I had a program I was following and I was doing okay and then you know, I'd get into this an emotional situation, into an emotional situation, and I would want fast food, I would want pizza, I would want pasta, you know, all the bad stuff that you're not supposed to have. But I was eating it all the time because it felt, it tasted good and it made me feel better until after I ate it. And I'm like, you idiot, why are you doing that? So it's almost like if I lose the weight, I'm finally grown up. And... I don't, I don't think I could ever not keep her in mind, you know? Um, and if you guys are interested in more talk about the inner child journey, I'm more than happy to share that. Um, I do have, (laughs) you guys are probably not even believing me about these journals, but you guys, I have so many journals and I have them all together somewhere. And what's funny is right before I started this episode, I was like, I got one more place I'm going to look. And 
I was in my garage digging through stuff and I'm like, they're not here. So you guys got kind of the cliff notes of the meeting that I had with Tom. Um, but I do have, I have journals of letters that my inner child and I wrote back and forth to each other and, um, they could be pretty powerful. I think if you've not seen that part or that journey for yourself. Um, so just reach out to me and let me know if that's something that you're interested in. I have no clue where to go from here as far as topics go, because this was going to be like the grand finale. And then I was just going to stop doing the podcast because I was like, cause even my husband asked me the other day, he's like, what are you going to do once you've talked about everything? I'm like, I don't know. Stop, I guess. And he's like, but if you're helping people, then why would you stop? And I'm like, I don't even know that I'm helping people. So, I mean, I know that there's some who have reached out to me and told me that it's been helpful, which is awesome. I love to hear from you guys because I just, it's nice to have people to relate to, you know, and, uh, I'm I'm here if you need anything. I mean, a conversation, a text, whatever. Uh you can you can join my Facebook group which is um Kept Secrets, a podcast about overcoming childhood abuse. And it's a closed group, so not there's not very many people in there right now. I think I've maybe 45, but I would like to grow that and have more conversation and dialogue with you guys, but um, I do understand that it's kind of weird to talk about stuff with people you don't know. But then again, it's awesome to talk about things with people you don't know because they don't know you and, you know, you could be yourself. Um, but if you join that group, you can also send me an instant message uh, through Facebook Messenger. Or you can send me an email at kepsecretspodcast at gmail.com. Um, I've also talked about doing a listener story segment where you guys send me your stories like via email and I read them on the episode and then kind of talk about them a little bit. I'm also open to um, conversations with other people in this situation who maybe have a powerful story that want to share on the podcast not 100% sure how that would work, but because I'm not very good with the technical side of this, technological side, but I would try to figure it out if that was something that someone was interested in. So um, I hope I didn't ramble too much this time, and I hope that you got something out of it. Again, I'm, I don't want you to put yourself in a situation of, you know, and go and approach your abuser just because I said I did. Um you had to follow your journey and stay true to yourself and your inner child and protect your inner child because no one else will the way that you can. I have this little dog over here whining at me still. Um, so I'm going to wrap things up this time. If you have any episode topic ideas, please let me know. Um, I'm very interested if I can ever find these journals, you guys will get the whole 100% conversation with me and Tom. And then the after effect, because there's a lot of stuff in there from the inner child and she's freaking out. So 
Um, I'm going to go feed my dog so he will be quiet. <laughs> he says goodbye, good day. <laughs> and until next time, I hope you guys have a wonderful day, whatever it is you're doing.